All right. So I'm going to kind of give a little review last week on Lesson 5. I think I stopped uh, about halfway, or most of the way down the front page under uh, uh, letter D. It says, he goes to the king and he accuses the Jews. And we're talking about Haman here. And that's standard procedure for a lost person. Yes? For five or six. Look in front of you, Carrie. Next, 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 uh, chair up. Next chair up. I'm sorry. Next chair up. I'm sorry. Alright, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, standard procedure is God's people are always being accused. How many of you have been accused of things? Yeah, all of us. And you know, and they and really if if you belong to the Lord and and you go to church on a regular basis and you try to live for the Lord, your own extended family will think you're a goody two shoe, you know, you're a Bible thumping uh Bible thumping Christian and, and then when you do something wrong, they are right there going, Aha same thing they did with David. You ever read back in the old testament? They kept going, Aha, aha. That's where the word phrase of haw comes from. But anyway, it's the same thing. Was that funny? Okay. Uh-huh. Go back and look at Psalms. I have to look at that. When they're talking about David and they go, aha, you've done this. Aha, you've done that. I'm like, I wonder where that came from. But anyway, uh, he goes to the king, Haman does, and he accuses the Jews. And he tells the king that these Jews' laws are diverse from theirs. So let's stop right there. Is that true or false? He says, the Jews' laws are diverse from yours, King Ahasuerus. That's true. true. You know, they always start off with some truth. But then they want to start accusing you after that. You know, that starts sounding it good. And next page, top of page two, it says, he tells the king that the Jews don't keep his laws. Now, that is not true. Because for the most part, the, the Jews are were told by the Lord, when you go into captivity, you just obey, obey the laws of the land and it will be well with you and we'll bring you back. And I will bring you back at that point. And that's a lie. So he tells the king that the Jews don't keep his law. So uh, turn over in your Bible to Acts chapter 16. I'm trying to get it a little closer to us because the same thing that went on there goes on today with us as being Christians. We are accused of things. We are told we don't do things. And so I'm going to use Paul as an example. Acts chapter 16. And and uh, let's start in verse 16. And I know you guys know the story. We're at Philippi, if I believe, believe right. And it says, And it came to pass as we went to pray... A certain damsel possessed, isn't that funny, a certain damsel. Now, we just saw that with Mordecai, didn't we? I didn't play in this. That's, that, God threw that in there, okay? A certain damsel. So, this is not a parable. This is not a made-up story. This is true. A certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. So, she's a fortune teller. But she apparently is good at it because she's getting advice straight from a devil somewhere. The same followed Paul and us, cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God which show unto us the way of salvation. Now that's wild. Here they are preaching the gospel and a demon-possessed girl basically 
is telling everybody, hey, the these guys are servants of God and they show us the way of salvation. Wow. Okay. And this she did many days. But Paul being grieved, and he wasn't grieved she was telling the story. He was grieved that she's being controlled by this devil. Okay, But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So, basically, here we have a fortune teller that's demon-possessed, and that's where she's getting her info. And so that's why we don't want to mess with people that are fortune tellers, because they may be possessed with the devil. Okay? You know, I would say they'd have to be possessed. Well, there are some fakes out there, but at the same time, you don't know if you have a fake or a real one. So, you really want to go to, some, you really want to play Saul and go to somebody that, that, uh, is communicating with, with Satan's devils? I don't think we do. And, and you know, when you read that on verse 17, I thought, okay, she's possessed by the devil, but God came in and did this. That's what I thought. God overpowered, like he will, Satan and got her to admit what those guys were doing. That just came to my mind. And then she, Back, but okay. That one verse, God had control. Right. That that is right. That is interesting. She's demon possessed, but yet telling God's word. Mm-hmm. In that while, um, I hadn't thought of that. At the same time, um, well, let's go on with the story. Verse nineteen. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and they drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Now here's where I want to get to. And brought them to the magistrate, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. True or false? Um, I would say true. Uh, you know, it's not far out. They are troubling our city. They're really troubling us. But uh, And they teach customs, which are not lawful for us to receive. True. Okay. Neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrate ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. My whole point is, they were accused of things they wasn't doing. They throwed some things in that they were doing. Yeah, they're a peculiar people, but this is what they're doing. And they're troubling the whole city. And when you look at that, it's like, no, they're really not troubling. They're they're troubling them because they took away their fortune teller and they just lost some income coming in. It's all about money. Okay? And so here's a group of people in the New Testament and they are being accused of things. Okay? So turn over to Acts chapter 21. Acts 21, we're going to start with verse 19. Okay, this is Paul back in Jerusalem. And when he had saluted them, that is the elders of the church there, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe, and they are all zealous of the law. So this is a kind of a a passage that kind of still... I wonder about because the, 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 the pastors of the, of the Gentile church basically made, not Gentile, Jewish church in Jerusalem that are saved, they're telling them, hey, there's thousands of Jews that believe like we do. And I'm like, well, where were they when they drew them out of the marketplace and going to beat them? Okay. And they informed thee 
that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that, that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after their custom. What is it therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Do therefore this, that we say to thee, we have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and purify thyself with them, and be at charge, charges with them, that they may shave their heads, and all that may know those things, or those things which whereof they were informed, concerning thee or nothing. He said, there's a lot of talk going on that's not true. This is what you need to do, and we're going to stop that talk. They're being accused of things. Okay? Um, where am I at? Uh, middle of 24. And they were informed concerning the, that they're nothing, but that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. And as touching the Gentiles which believe, we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols and from blood and from strangled and from fornication. Then Paul took them in, did what James and the elders said, and the next day purifying himself with with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were in Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place, and further brought Greeks into the temple and polluted this holy place. And all of that, most of all that, was a sham. It was, it was a lie. But they're being accused of it. So my point is, when uh, Haman goes in and starts accusing the Jews, it's nothing new. And it was nothing new when Paul was accused. And here's the, the big part. It's nothing new if we are accused for doing what's right. Okay? And so um, he tells the king, back back with Esther, he tells the king, Haman, that he will pay the cost to exterminate these Jews. Kind of sounds like bugs, right? I'll pay the cost. I'll call uh, uh, Mulbiggers or some pest control in and we'll take care of these pesky Jews for you. He tells the king he'll pay the cost himself and put the rewards in the king's treasury. Well, if you're the king... And you're just listening to this. Okay, so there's a group of people in our kingdom that they don't obey our laws. They're really kind of worthless and don't do anything for us. And you want to take care of them and you're going to pay me $10,000 to do it? And and the king just goes, this blows my mind. He goes, okay, do it. He didn't check the facts out. So the king agrees with Haman under uh, letter E. He just believes what Haman says. And then the king goes, you know what? You said you would pay for it. Don't even do it. Just take it out of my coffers and I'll pay for it. Okay, well, that's a good deal back to Haman. So the king sets the plot in motion. So a document was written. It was published and it was sent throughout the entire empire that the Jews, both young and old, would be exterminated on the 13th day of the 12th month of the same year. And then at the end of chapter, let's get back to where we are in Esther. At the end of Esther, chapter 4, it says, verse 15 says, The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan, the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink. 
But don't miss this. But the city Shushan was perplexed. Now, why do you think the city is perplexed because of this decree? Have you ever seen that before? Why would, so that there's a decree went out to the city and to the empire that, hey, on this 13th day of the 12th month, everybody can pick up arms and go clobber the Jews, take anything they want, kill them all, old and, old and young. The city was perplexed because, like, Warsaw was perplexed. Okay. They had compassion. <clears throat> And a lot of Jews living there. A lot of Jews living there. A lot of them were Jews. But even the rest of the people, it says the city was... It didn't just say the Jews in the city. It says the whole city was perplexed. So apparently these Jews had had an effect on the rest of the people around them. Okay, so they were good citizens. But you know what? Just like Christians today. Well, if this would happen to Christians, we're going to take the Christians in this city and the rest of the people are perplexed. My point is, I'm trying to get out is, apparently the Jews in the city had been making an effect. They, their lives had made an effect on the people around them. Not just, not just physically, but, you know, maybe they were, you know, friends. friends. Maybe they were telling them about God. Maybe they were working with them and helping them. Their testimony in the town was well noted, and I think that was why they were perplexed along with the fact that they wanted to kill the young ones too. It's, it, it'd be like somebody telling us, well, you know, the people next door to you are Jews, but on this day I want you to kill them all, including their kids. So, you know, that would perplex me. It'd perplex me even if they're, I mean, I don't care if they're Muslims or whatever. I'm not going to go kill somebody. Right, right. Again, so the whole city's perplexed. Obviously, the Jews had had an effect on the people around them. Okay, but going back to Haman and the king, I mean, Haman had to have had a lot of influence in the king that the king didn't even investigate. Is this necessary? He trusted Haman to be doing the best for his nation. And so he said, okay, go ahead and do it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really make sense that the king didn't investigate anything. Uh, yeah, he took he 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 disbelieved what Haman said, hook, line, and sinker, and said, "Okay, we'll do this." So, okay, so that's the end of chapter uh, three. So we're going to start chapter four today. And on your handout, lesson number six, Mordecai pleads. So he is going to plead. What's that? You don't have lesson six. Does anybody else have lesson six? Here, I've got one. I got it. I got it right here. I'll find her one. Okay. Or will I? No. You know what? Can you give her that one? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. He said, I take enough notes. Okay. So, I'm sorry. Thank you for, Carrie. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, everybody has to listen six. So, Mordecai pleads. So, in, in, uh, uh, I don't have all my notes here. What was it last week in Lesson 5? Haman plots. Everything has a P word kind of in this. So um, I'll go back to the rest of them. But uh, it's kind of interesting how that works. Esther gets promoted. So, oh well. So number one, it says, let's read, let's read chapter 4. Let's read the whole thing. And we'll come back and probably read sections of it. 
and then kind of go through it. But in this this chapter, we're going to see that Mordecai pleads. Well, yeah, because of what we just heard. When Mordecai perceived, chapter 4, verse 1, all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came, and they told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Now let me stop and and just throw in this. She hasn't heard the decree yet. All she has heard that Mordecai is before the gate of the city in sackcloth and ashes. Okay, that's all she knows. So she starts to react towards that. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her that he was outside the city or the gate. And then was the queen exceedingly grieved and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So she's wanting to find out what is going on here, guys. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai into the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. So again, don't miss the little details. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened to him and of the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And he gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and he told Esther the words of Mordecai. Verse 10. Again, Esther spake unto Hatak and he gave him commandment unto Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces do know that whosoever, whether man or woman, shall come unto the king and to the inner court who is not called, there is one law of his to put him to death, except such such to whom the king shall hold out the golden scepter that he may live. But I have not been called to come in unto the king these thirty days. And they told to Mordecai Esther's words. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews, or in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise. And so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. 
So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. So again, we know the story, so we're going to go back and look at the little details. What can we pull out? And so under uh, Roman number or numeral number one on your handout, you have Mordecai's response. Your response goes in the blank. Mordecai's response to the king's decree. And we're going to find that in verse one through three. So you guys know that. You know his response, right? What was the response? He rents his clothes. He rents his clothes. Okay, we'll just go through my notes. Uh, he rent his clothes. Now, when you look at that, we know that everything in the Bible pictures something else. It's a picture of his flesh being torn. He, he's, 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 he's trying to paint a picture with what he looks like, okay? So he, he, he rent his clothes as a picture of the flesh being torn, and he put on sackcloth. So again, you gotta go back. So what is sackcloth? I'm asking you guys. It's grave clothes. It's grave clothes, okay. And I put, uh, uh, a definition of a sackcloth, it's a rough, it's like putting burlap on. Yeah. Like a, a gunny sack, yeah. It's like putting something that's just, um, I think John the Baptist wore clothes made out of camel's hair and like sackcloth. And so they're, they're rough clothes, but get this, they were used to, to bury people in. So I don't know this. I'm like, well, you know, clothes were expensive. And so it would be like this, you know, I, at some point I pass away, they bury me, and then Carrie goes, uh, let's, 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 uh, you know, that suit he's on, let's, let's take that green, let's take that suit off, that's kind of nice, I can give that to somebody, and throw a gunny sack on the dude, he won't know it, he's dead, okay? But I think they did it a little more, they buried him in sackcloth because I think it was trying to make a statement, okay? And so he start, he wears, he puts on that gunny sack and he's running around town, uh, you know, he, his, his clothes were torn, he puts on this sackcloth and it, and he doesn't stop there and he puts ashes and dust on his head. So let's, let's follow my picture. His flesh is being torn. He's got on grave clothes like he's a dead person. And he puts ashes and dust on his head. Now, when you go to a funeral, has anybody ever heard the pastor say, um, from ashes, ashes to ashes and dust to dust? What does that mean? It means the body's going to go back to the, to the ground. To, 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 but they say ashes. That's funny. I can see the dust to dust. Why ashes to ashes? Unless you're going through a cremation. Then it might fit. That's kind of a joke, but... <laughs> nobody got it but me, but... Okay. I'm still stuck on ashes to ashes. I'm cracking myself. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. I'm like, cremated? Yeah, we'll see. Ashes to ashes. Um, but no, it's... So, he put ashes and dust on his head. It's a picture of death. Okay? So, it's personal to him. It's also against his people. So he's basically, he's basically going out and declaring we're all dead people. He's got on, he, he tore his clothes, he put on grave clothes, and he's got ashes on his head. He, he, he's basically saying, hey, we're dead. And he's wailing and he's crying. Um, so he goes before the king's gate in this condition, but if you notice, he can't go through that king's gate. They won't let him in. Now, his job is that he sits at the king's gate. So, at the king's gates where the business of the king, a lot of the business is done. And so, he gets back to where his, his, uh, 
uh, job is, but he's got the wrong clothes on and he can't come in. And that's why Esther can't figure out what's going on because she can't get to him. He's before the the gate, and I'm assuming this is the gate of the palace. Okay, He's before that, and he can't get on the other side because before that, his job was he sat at the gate. He had access to the palace. She had access to him. But because he's in sackcloth and ashes, he's not allowed in. So that's why she has to send this guy to find out what in the world is going on here. Why do you have... Why are you have uh, sackcloth and ashes on your head and what's going on? So I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. Uh, but, okay, you're in Esther chapter 4, right? Go back to verse 221, because chapter 221. It says, because, you know, again, don't believe me. And it says, in those days, now we're to chapter before we're at now, or a couple chapters. In those days, again, picture the trib, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, so there's his job. He sat in the king's gate, okay? Uh, two of the king's chamberlains, uh, and then again, the story goes on about the people that wanted to kill the king. My point is, I'm just trying to show you where is that. Now go back to chapter 2 and verse 11. And Mordecai, now this is when Esther is in, uh, through the purification process, in the beauty contest going on, the king getting ready to, to, to get the king. It says, verse 11, And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the woman's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. He couldn't have got there unless he had a position inside the, the palace, inside the gate. But my whole point is saying now he cannot get there. He can't go to work, basically, because he's mourning and throwing, and the king won't allow it to happen. Okay? It'd be like if I wanted to go to work and, and wear a loincloth, they're, they're probably going to stop me at the door and go, uh-uh. <laughs> not going to happen. I don't know about you guys. Or maybe not wear anything, you know. Hey, free country, I wear what I want to wear, you know. They're probably going to stop you and go, no, 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 no. You go back, get the right clothes, come back, everything's cool. By the way, we're docking your pay today. <laughs> but apparently he didn't care. He's he's trying to make a statement. So we see that in verses 1 through 3. But also we have to think about the fact that the sackcloth and ashes and stuff is because people have to let other people know their condition and I mean an unclean person is not going to be accepted like within the camp Talk, thinking about Moses and the laws in Leviticus and stuff like that they had to be outside but it's interesting then that you know in this nation that we're studying right now that that they use the same type of laws that came through the Jewish laws of Leviticus okay yeah they basically are yeah, because, you know, you're unclean. You can't come in when you're dressed with sackcloth and have ashes and stuff on you. So you're saying uh, to get into Congress or something, you have to be dressed right? What, what's your point? Yeah, that, you know. But There's a dress code, I think, even. Isn't there a dress code in the house and all that? Mm-hmm. Okay. But that dress code came from God's laws. God's laws. Okay. I'll buy that. Because cause our, our laws basically are modeled after God's laws. So, okay. So we've seen Mordecai, his plead, his response. And so let's look at Esther's reaction. And we see that in verses 4 through 12. So let's go back and look at that again. So 
you know, everything up until now has been everybody else. But in this chapter, Esther really starts to take charge. You know, everything else has been Mordecai. But up until this chapter, now you're going to, let's watch and see what Esther starts to do. Okay. So she already sent some clothes. Or, okay, that's point, that's my first point. Let's go ahead and read verse 4 through 12. So Esther's maids told her and her chamberlains came and told her basically what's going on with Mordecai. Then one, then was the queen exceedingly grieved and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away a sackcloth from him, but he received it not. So she's like, I don't know why you're out there in sackcloth and ashes, but here's some clothes for you. She didn't know the decree. She sent him some clothes so he could put the clothes on so he could come in. Then she could talk to him. She didn't know all the rest of the story. Okay, so that's where we're at. And then, verse 5, Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her, and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. Okay, so let's read the rest. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai and to the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and of the sum of the money that, see, it, he said happened to him. He took this very personal. And that Haman had promised to pay for the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. And he also gave him the copy of the writing of the decree that was given at Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and declare it unto them that she charged her that she'd go into the king to make supplication to him and to make requests before him for her people. So Esther's reaction to Mordecai's response in, verse, in verses 4 through 12, her first response was to send clothes to Mordecai. Because she's trying to make it where he can come in. She can find out, okay, what in the world is the problem? And then number uh, B, it says she sends a messenger to Mordecai, since he refused, to ask what the problem is, why it was, and what can be done. Now, you know what? That's kind of like the who, what, where, and when, right? I mean, that's the five W's I tried to go by, but this is simpler. So there is a problem. What is the problem in this situation? Esther's asking. She's, she told the Chamberlain, okay, go out and talk to Mordecai and find out. I want you to find out what is the problem. So what is the problem? Is that too easy or one? Okay. The decree is a problem because the decree is a law saying all the Jews are going to get exterminated. Okay, so that's the the problem. What's the why? Why do we have this decree? Haman. Haman. And not just that. Uh, let's. See. His hatred. And what else did I have here? Uh, and who is who is Haman? We've already seen that, haven't we, in the in the chapter so far? No D in Haman. <clears throat> Haman is the Jews' enemy. Okay. Saul was supposed to exterminate. Yes. Okay. Picture of Satan. So we've got the problem. We've got the why. What is the solution? I love this solution. What's Mordecai want her to do? Go to the king. 
Is this starting to sound familiar in our life? It's kind of funny how it just lines up. Just coincidence. Okay. So, uh, the problem, Haytack goes back and tells her, okay, the problem is there's this nasty decree out there that all the Jews are going to be destroyed. Why we have it is because Haman, the Jews' enemy, got the king to do this. And the solution is, sorry, uh, but we need you, Esther, to go talk to the king. Okay, but the, the the next problem that pops up is is we know that she can't go before the king unless he summons her, and if she does, she may end up like Vashti. So that's kind of what we saw here. So C says, upon hearing what Mordecai, want, Mordecai wanted her to do, she reminded him of the king's law. So law goes in your blank. Uh, so the first one on on the point was Esther's reaction. This last one is the king's law. The law of the king was you can't have an appointment with the king unless he summons you. And if you come unannounced, it's your head. Kind of keeps, you know, maybe, you know, good thing we don't have people that do that today. Hey, Bob, we just popped, we're in the neighborhood, popped in to see you. Dude. Just shoot him right there. Well, it would, that would stop the king from having all the people rush to his house all the time. But, I mean, that's pretty strict, pretty, pretty rash, but that was the law. And so, you know, you can imagine if you're a famous, wealthy people, you probably always have people all the time wanting you to do things, give them money. And so he's the king of the empire, and I'm assuming that law was put in place to help protect the king and his privacy, but yet it was, it was pretty rough law. Uh, but yet we know that the king could still put his scepter out and allow you to come in. But yet with Vashti in the background, Esther's a little bit hesitant to come before the king. Okay, so uh, numeral th- Roman numeral number three. It says Mordecai's plea to Esther, and basically we see that in verse thirteen and fourteen. And he tells and he tells Hatak, he says, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, think not with thyself that thou shalt escape the king's house more than all the Jews. And he's basically saying, just because you're the queen, you're not exempt. You're going to die in this too if something doesn't happen. And then he says in verse 14, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And that's some very important words right there. He says, if you don't go to the king, you're going to perish with the rest of us. And number uh, under B, it says, God will use someone else to stop the discreet, this decree if you don't. Kind of gives you a little bit of the detail of Mordecai's faith. Mordecai had great faith in this also. We're going to see Esther have faith, but Mordecai uh, uh, had faith also. So he basically says, okay, Esther, he goes, what do you got to lose? I mean, and then she's kind of thinking, my life? Either way. I mean, she is between a rock and a hard spot. Okay? She, she can lose her life from this, but if she keeps her mouth shut, She's going to lose her life from that. So, and you go, well, hey, no big deal. I mean, it's, you're going to, it's one of those, like, you have the operation and you might make it. You don't have the operation. You're going to die, but you're still in the middle of that. Okay. 
So it's so I'm sure that Esther is just uh, holding her breath or something because I mean it's it's like yeah this not only is she going to die I mean who wants to die in front of the king with all your friends present and everything else but anyway let's turn over to page the next page number two that I gave you okay. I, my page is a little different than yours. Oh, okay. So under C it says, God has put you, Esther, this is uh, Mordecai talking to her, God has put you, Esther, in a position to do something about it. That kind of hits home too. Mm-hmm. You know, today there is a sin pro- there is a problem, it's called sin. Why do we have that sin problem? Back to Satan. I mean, you can throw Adam in the mix, but Satan was right there at the beginning. And what's this? Okay, so the problem today for us is sin. Okay, why do? Why are we in that position? And you could say Adam, and you could, but basically, it really goes back to. We'll just do them both. Satan slash Adam. Okay. What's the problem? What's the solution? It's the same. Go to the king. I thought, now that is cool. We have the same problem. We have, we, Houston, we have a problem here. And here's the problem. Sin in our life. It's there because of Satan and man's fall, but yet we can put our name right up there with Adam. And yes, Satan's in the mix. What's the solution? Go to the king. That's the same thing that's going on here in the story. God has put Esther in a position to do something about it and the solution is to go to the king. So, uh, under four there, Esther rises to the situation and she takes charge. So again, I told you in this chapter, we see her beginning to take charge. And you can kind of see it all the way through through the chapter, but you can really see it uh, in verse 15. Then Esther bade them return to Mordecai this answer, because he's still outside the gate. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. And so she's she's now taking charge. So Mordecai did a good job training Esther growing up. Because you see the faith of Mordecai, but now we're getting to see the faith of Esther. And we're going to continue to see that through the rest of the story here. Uh, so, so she tells him, she goes, I want you to go gather all the Jews in the city. Make a fast among the people. Now, it doesn't say anything about prayer here. I went back and looked. I read it a couple of times. I'm like, no prayer in here. But yet, everywhere else in the Old Testament, we see that prayer and fasting go together. And fasting is basically just just a means to help us to focus on the prayer. So when you stop eating, and it it makes all you can think about, you know, is probably eating. But it also reminds you, hey, I'm praying about this, and I'm going to pray so hard about this. I'm not even going to worry about eating. I, I want to focus on my prayer, and that's what fasting does. 
and yet I'm sure it does a lot more. And I've always kind of wrestled with that. Okay, why don't we fast today? Why did they fast then? You know, and all this stuff. But basically, we know that fasting and prayer go together. And then there's the debate of what's fasting? What do you fast? Do you fast food? Do you fast your electronics? Do you fast your uh, reading of books other than the Bible? Yeah. Well, here it's eating. Right. But now, Dave... Yeah, what what am I going to give up? You know, mm-hmm. what am I going to give up? What's what's most important to me that I can give up other than food? You know, <laughs> I mean, like, like huh? Lint. I give up lint. I don't want lint. We throw it in the trash in our house. We take it right out of the dryer, and throw it in the trash. But you, do you see what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Yes, people do do things like that. But you know, whatever works. What I'm, I'm thinking if, if, if you want to fast today, knock yourself out. Um, um, is it biblical? Yeah. Is it for this age? I would kind of worry about that. But again, it's still to, to pray. Okay. I'm sure they wasn't just stopping. It wouldn't do them any good just to stop eating for three days and three nights if they didn't pray. Let's put it that way. Okay. And so, uh, they, they continued to fast and pray for it. And why three days and three nights? Of course, that's the power of the resurrection. Okay, deliverance. deliverance. And I, ha- oh, I had a reference to that uh, uh, three days and th- uh, the three day, the power of the resurrection. I believe it's in Philippians, but I don't have it with me right now. I must add it in my notes. Okay, so if you want to study that out farther, just you know pull your concordance out, look at the power of the resurrection, and you'll you'll find that particular verse in Philippians. So Esther informs Mordecai that she and her maidens will do the same if you if you fast and you get all the Jews in the city to fast and pray. Uh, we're going to do the same thing inside inside the palace, and at the end of three days, I'm going to go in to see the king. And make the plea. So she she goes off in. And so, again, three days is a, is a reference to the power of the resurrection. So she knows that there's there's some type of power. And maybe she doesn't know. Maybe the Lord put that in there and she has no why, reason why three days. But we know, according to our Bible, that three days is, is that the Lord was in the grave. And, uh, and it says three days and nights. Isn't that interesting? So she's putting her line on the, her faith on the line as well as her life on the line. And again, uh, Esther as well as Mordecai picture a Christian today in the sense that we need to publicly declare the problem. You know, a lot of people tell you the problem. You know, that's why I don't really like um, news commentators or these guys that are, you know, that want to report all the bad stuff that's going on in the government and all that. I mean, they're right, but nobody has a solution. You know? That's what kind of bothers me. Or the, or the news that want to talk about the problem. Well, this is a problem. Okay, well, we'll talk about maybe a solution to the problem. Nobody has a solution. So we need to publicly declare the problem, but we need to go farther. We need to give out the solution. You know, I I, uh, um, I rem- had one of my friends that went to El Salvador, I believe, uh, with KCBT, with uh, what was the evangelist that was down there? Uh, it's the tip of my tongue. Benny 
No. Uh, I'll give you a hint. The man was from Oklahoma. Does that help, Rex? Oh, it's at the tip of my tongue. Um, uh, Leo Humphrey. Okay, remember him? Leo Humphrey had a lot of... Uh, we would bring trips down to... to uh, I believe it was El Salvador, and they'd street preach, and they'd go out and preach in the square, and they'd do certain things. So he was an evangelist to to El Salvador, but I think he lived up here, but he just brought people down. And many of the people in our church have been on those trips. But uh, one man on one of the trips goes, he goes, I can't figure this out. I'm going out to witness the people. I'm preaching on the street. Uh, we're preaching and stuff. But he goes, nobody's getting... Si-. Oh, no, he wasn't preaching. He was just going house to house with a translator. And he goes, we're telling the gospel, but nobody's getting saved. And Leo goes, well, what are you telling him? He goes, I'm telling them that Jesus died for their sins and that they need to accept him as their Savior. And he goes, you're forgetting one thing. You've got to put that resurrection in there. Because when you don't have the power of the resurrection in your testimony, you're not all that, it's not all there yet. And so this young Christian went out again and started giving the whole gospel, putting the resurrection in there, and guess what? People started getting saved. So that was a really good example to that man that went. It's like, you know what? I've got to get the whole gospel. Jesus died for us since he was buried. And he rose again on the third day, and then you gotta accept him as your Lord and Savior. And, and if you leave out that the Lord rose on that third day, your, your success rate's not gonna be very well because you don't have it all there. Okay, so we have a problem, and we have the solution, and we gotta give it out. So, uh, that's it pretty well for today. And next week we'll go through, uh, the next chapter, and we'll find out. You know, are everybody at the edge of your seats and you can't wait till what happens to Esther? Is she going to live? She's not going to live. <laughs> Carrie tells me this all the time. I'm watching a movie or something. She goes, you know how it's going to end. Why are you so upset and nervous and doing stuff? <laughs> so it's what's wrong? And I'm sitting there going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, you know how it's going to end? It'd be okay. Just chill out. That's a TV show. I can't help it. I can't help it. Watching a Chiefs game and knowing that they're always coming from behind and win. Yeah. I, I may have told this story. She goes, I can't take you anywhere. We went to a, we went to a movie. Then we, we went and saw the Titanic. Have you heard my story on that? And we're sitting on the back row. We always sit on the back row if we can. Because we're back row people, even in the movies. And so we're sitting there and, and, and I think uh, the Titanic's going down. It's split and the guys are all out there playing with their, uh, the orchestra's playing. And I'm like, now that'll preach. And she goes, would you be quiet and would you sit down? <laughs> That's a little worked up. <laughs> she had a friend that she took her to, they went to a Rocky movie and said her friend's up at the end of the movie and just doing this. And what'd she do at the end of the movie? She's standing up, clapping at the end of the movie. And I'm like, that's me. So I've kind of had to learn to tone it down a little bit. You know? But uh, we've got the solution, man, so we need to get it out there. So let's pray and we'll be done today. Uh, Father in heaven, we come before you today and we just love you for who you are. 
We love you for your book that you've given to us that, that, that has all these, these neat stories that give us so much truth, that give us so much history, that, that basically are stories of our life, Lord. And I just pray that we would, uh, that you would show that truth to us and we can see that truth and we can take, take the things that we see in the Bible, the good and the bad, and that we could take the good and, and apply it in our life, Lord, and we live it out. So we, I just, uh, thank you that, uh, uh, we do have this word, your, your Bible, and that we can see it, we can read it, we can carry it, and we can write our notes in it, and we can uh, have it in our hand that we know we have a record from you of who you are, who we are. Uh, we have a record of the gospel, and we have, uh, we know the problem, the problem is sin, and we know the solution, and that's to come to Jesus Christ and accept Him as our Savior. And Lord, help us to give that out to the people around us, and we just ask that. Uh, uh, you'd give us opportunities to do that in Christ's name. Amen. Esther's playing in Branson.